Hello everyone, my name is Mateo Gold and I am sitting here at Waverly Square in the Belmont Media Center and it's great to be here, great to be, to have access to the podcast recording studio, appreciate it immensely and today I'm going to be talking about how music affects our brains. Now, many people listen to music all over the world, and honestly, it's a universal language and something that everyone can connect to on a, on a different level, and something that many music lovers all over the world may ask, how does it affect our brain? We all know that music can make us happy, can make us sad, can sway our emotions, but what are the physical changes that occur in the, bra- in the brain, and what are the actual side effects and the benefits of music. To begin with, let me start about how music has affected me. From a young age, I've always had a strong connection with music. I've always loved music and have always wanted to listen to music, whatever I was doing. And I truly believe that music can shed light on about, can shed light on how someone is feeling internally, even if they aren't prepared to say it externally, if they aren't keen on telling someone how they feel or expressing their emotions. If you listen to the music that they're listening to, it can say the words that they aren't able to say in a sense. And I think in a way when I was younger, I I did that. I would listen to music that would display the emotions that I, I wasn't really able to express. I I built such a strong connection with music from a young age. I was always listening. I had a song of the week that I would, I would play to my friends and family and tell them why I love this song so much, why it meant so much to me. And for many reasons, music motivated me. Music pushed me to strive for more. It, it made me, it motivated me in a lot of ways and it, it made me keep going even when I didn't want to keep going in a sense. And for me especially, music was, was so deeply rooted and I just always loved it. And for me, music was really connected with memories. Wherever I would go in the world, wherever I was traveling, I would have a song, a song that I I had recently found or that meant a lot to me and that I was able to replay that song over and over again. And many people can't do that. Many people will hear a song once and say, that's enough. I don't want to listen to it again. I want to find something else, a a new tune. But for me, when I found a song, I, it stuck with me and it meant a lot to me and I wanted to keep playing it over and over again. And so thinking back now, if I hear that song, it'll take me exactly to that moment, exactly where I was, exactly wherever I was sitting. And it's incredible to think that now I can have such a vivid flashback and it feels like I'm actually transported to that exact moment. And it's so vivid. It's like I'm there once again which is amazing. While I knew that music was always something that was connected with my memory, I wanted to know if this was something that was universal and something that my peers or teachers or anyone could relate to in a sense or could have any stories about this. So 
I decided to bring in our very own band director from BHS, Miss LaCasse. So my name is Allison LaCasse. I'm the band director here at BHS. This is my second year. I conduct the Wind Ensemble, the Symphonic Band, and this year I'm also teaching some elective music courses, uh, guitar class, electronic music, and a co-curricular class um, with Mr. Zilkowski oh. on the history of hip-hop. connects us with each other, but it also connects you to time in your life. So mm. you're a high school student now. If you hear music from a cartoon that you used to watch when you were five, you'll get transported to that time. Yeah. And think about someone in their 90s who might be listening to music from the jazz age, which was their pop music mm -hmm. in the 20s. Um, that will bring them back to a time where they were probably out dancing all the time and out and about on the town, very different the way we live today. Mm -hmm. So that brings joy to that person who maybe can't be mobile and, and participate in that way, but in their mind they are. Mm -hmm. So it does transport you. Yeah. And that's the, that's the powerful thing that I was, I was talking about, that you can't quite measure that mm -hmm. feeling. And do you think that you've had moments in your life where you've heard a certain tune or a certain jingle and it brings you exactly to the moment that you first heard it or that you, you recognize it from? It happens more than you might think just because music is, I'm consuming it all the time. But absolutely, it probably happens to me on a weekly basis where I'll have a feeling if something just comes over me. Um, it'll bring me back to a person that has passed away or, um, you know, my high school group that I don't see every single day anymore. And it, it absolutely transforms almost your train of thought. It, it, it kind of stops the present world around you and lets you escape into this little void of, of loveliness. <laughs> mm -hmm. or, or the opposite. It could bring you to a really dark place. It could mm -hmm. be something that reminds you of a very traumatic incident. So it's, um, it's something that happens to me quite often yeah. and I, I've come to really love when it happens yeah I can definitely attest to that because there have been so many moments in my life where I've listened to a certain song on repeat and for wherever I am in the world that'll be that song and then mm -hmm. now I'll I'll listen to that song and it'll bring me back to all those memories of right. where I ate where what the the sites that I saw the landmarks the the landscapes all of that and it's so surreal well, my early childhood was a bit fuzzy. I can't remember all the little details, but I can remember one song that my mom would sing to me over and over again in the car ride. You are my sunshine, my only sunshine. You make me happy when skies are gray. You'll never know, dear, how much I love you. So please don't take my sunshine away. At such a young age, it must have been comforting and to think about all the drastic changes that had happened in my life at such a young age already, from moving to the big city of New York and then to moving to this small town of Belmont must have been such a big change for me. And listening to that song definitely gave me a sense of comfort and a sense of safety in a way. And... Well, throughout my early adulthood, I always thought about why that song meant so much to me and why it still sticks with me to, that, to this day. And Daniel Levitin, a renowned neuroscientist that has a PhD in cognitive psychology, shared some insight about why we listen to sad music when we're sad and why 
Well, I always wondered why this song meant so much to me and why it made me feel the way I felt. Daniel Levitin, a renowned neuroscientist that has a PhD in cognitive psychology, shared some insight on this. He concluded that when we listen to sad music, when we are sad, the chemical prolactin is released, which in fact is actually the same chemical that is released when a mother nurses their baby, hence why we feel so comforted. As I grew up, my love for music exploded, and I wanted to listen to all different types of music, and honestly, there was never a certain genre of music, and so many people would ask, what's your favorite genre? What's your favorite type of music? And honestly, I didn't have an answer for them because music was never about the genre or what type of music it was. It was about how it made me feel, the emotions that I got from it, how how it motivated me, how it would uplift my spirits, how it would affect me in that way emotionally. And some of it was obviously about the words, the the melody, the lyricalness of it, and how it flowed all together and how the beat would it how the how the beat would come together with everything and make a beautiful piece of work. But I also had music for every emotional state whether I was happy, excited, whether I wanted to be hyped up, if I wanted to be motivated, if I wanted to train harder, if I wanted to do anything that was motivating me. But I was also had music that would make me sad or that I would listen to when I was sad or that was slower, or more melodic. Just a phone call left unanswered had me sparking up. These cigarettes won't stop me wondering where you are. Don't let go. I think that many could relate to this when I say that when you're sad, you want to listen to sad music. While I wasn't too sure about why we actually listen to sad music while we're sad, it seemed to make more and more sense. When we're sad, we feel alone. We feel that no one understands the way we feel. And maybe if they do in that exact moment, we feel that no one could possibly get this. No one can understand. But when we listen to a sad song we realize that someone does understand, someone knows the way we feel, and that we aren't actually alone, that someone can relate to this, and that's why it makes us feel better, because we aren't alone, and we realize that. And Oliver Sacks was a doctor and a neuroscientist who has written many extensive case studies of patients that he had in his book, Musicphilia. But music is something that has to be interpreted by someone and I believe that Oliver Sacks said it best himself. There is finally a deep and mysterious paradox here. And for while such music makes one experience pain and grief more intensely, it brings solace and consolation at the same time. Music can bring peace of mind. It can bring tranquility. And it can allow someone to escape the reality of whatever they're going through. May it be troubles in their family. May it be schoolwork, may it be an overload of stress that we don't know how to handle. I believe that music is a great coping mechanism for many people. When I was teaching elementary school, here's a story, um, I had a student in kindergarten who was a selective mute. And this person did not speak or communicate with anyone at school using their voice. They would sign, um, they would use gestures, they would use faces, but they would not speak. And this student had to come to music class. And music class was a stressful place for them because they were constantly asked to sing out or to play this drum. I mean, not even playing a drum would this, would this child express any sound at all. 
Um, but what happened a few years down the road is I got an email from the student's mother who took a recording of their child at home singing the songs that we were learning in school. And it was a source of joy at home. So that's a great example. Music has such a power to sway our emotions and the way we feel, especially when we're listening to a song or when we're watching a movie or listening to a play in Broadway or in a musical, especially. But Levitin knows that film directors use music to tell us how to feel about scenes that otherwise might be ambiguous or to augment our feelings at particularly dramatic moments, which makes sense. Obviously, film directors know how to use the music to evoke certain emotions. But Neil Lerner is a professor and an expert of horror films and explains that composers use all sorts of techniques that help instill the fear and have figured out how to evoke emotions with rhythm, beat, volume, pitch, and dissonance, which all are important components to create beautiful music. But it can also make us feel scared. It can make us worry it can build anticipation in ourselves it can make us feel that we realize that something is going to happen without seeing it on the screen it can tell us that something is about to happen i think the most infamous example of this is from jaws they were notorious for instilling fear into the minds of many americans for a long time and for generations at that the simple bottom bottom gets us sitting on the edge of our seats because we know and we can feel the anticipation rising, even if we're not seeing it on the screen. All we see is a beautiful day at the beach, but we know that there's darkness ahead and we, we can feel it. Neil Lerner goes on to say that our brains hear that music in terms of being hunted, which makes sense. We can sense that the slowness of the beat means that something is slowly creeping up on us, even if we can't see it yet. We realize it. We feel the anticipation. And they have subconsciously trained our minds to know that a scary scene will happen momentarily. Just by the simple bottom gets more intense and faster and louder. We realize and we know. They don't have to tell us yet. Composers have recognized that the unsteady beat will hint that something isn't right. Lerner also goes on to say that our instincts tell us a creature is upon us and we need to run away or turn and fight. It's human nature to feel fear and in many cases a large amount of adrenaline is rushed into our bloodstream and we're left with the natural fight or flight response. The composers know this of course and how to organize the different sounds in a way to drive terror into our hearts. With such a simple two note theme song for the shark, the Academy Award winning composer tapped into our primal fears. At this point, we all know that music affects us, whether it be subconsciously or consciously. Norman M. Weinberger is a neuroscientist that has his PhD in experimental psychology. Weinberger found in a study that infants as young as two months will turn towards consonant or pleasant sounds and away from dissonant ones, and the same kinds of pleasure centers light up in a person's brain, whether he or she are getting chills, listening to his symphony's denouement, or eating chocolate, or having sex, or even taking cocaine. While it's crazy to think that music could be anywhere closely related to any of those things, it only shows how powerful and what an effect that music has on us. 
Or when you're simply just listening to a song and you get chills running down the back of your spine. These are no longer just theories based on speculation. With modern technology and brain imaging, it is now possible to see the actual areas of the brain that are being lit up. And it's now even possible to see what is going on in a person's brain as they are actively listening to music. So we can see the direct correlation of what happens when we listen to a certain song or a certain beat or a certain melody. Weinberger used PET imaging, positron emission tomography, to show that there are different emotional reactions when listening to music. He concluded that consonant chords activated the orbital frontal area, part of the reward system, of the right hemisphere. In contrast, dissonant chords activated the right parahippocampal gyrus, Thus, at least two systems, each dealing with a different type of emotion, are at work when the brain processes emotion related to music. Weinberger wasn't the only neuroscientist to use brain imaging and brain scans to detect what areas of the brain are being affected. Daniel Levitin has also come to the conclusion that music activates every region of the brain that has so far been mapped, which is incredible to think that every single part of our brain is being used when we listen to music. When so many well-renowned neuroscientists, cognitive scientists, and doctors perform studies that prove that music creates physical changes inside the brain and affect us emotionally, it's hard to believe when a well-respected psychologist like Steven Pinker says that music is just auditory cheesecake, or when psychologist Dan Sperber called music an evolutionary parasite. This is fascinating because they aren't the only ones that speculate that music isn't a necessity of life. If I was to think about never listening to another song again, it would almost be as bad as saying I can never eat chocolate again. Because in my life, music plays an essential role. I guess I can understand where they're coming from. But while we can get simple satisfaction from music, it is not simply just pleasure. But rather, it has far-reaching benefits. We can either take it for its more simplistic form, or we can take advantage of it and reap the impressive benefit that it has to offer. I believe music is something that is very deeply rooted in our heads, and our appreciation for music is innate. It was once thought that when a child is constantly surrounded by Beethoven or Mozart at a young age, or even in the womb, they will perform better academically and be overall smarter. While it was never proven that classical music specifically makes children smarter. Weinberger has proven that youngsters who have received greater exposure to music in their homes showed enhanced brain auditory activity, comparable to that of an unexposed kids about three years older. Weinberger also found that as some training increases the number of cells that respond to a sound when you play an instrument or learning an instrument, prolonged learning produces more marked responses and physical changes in the brain. And he also found that musicians, who usually practice many hours a day for years, show such effects their responses to music differ from those of non-musicians. They also exhibit hyper-development of certain areas in the brains. And to think that just by learning an instrument and continuing to play an instrument that you could develop quicker or in a more sophisticated manner is incredible. So many children at a young age are, are encouraged to play an instrument. And I remember in elementary school playing the recorder. And then when I got to middle school, we got to play wind instruments. And it was also a fun time whenever you got to go into the room and see all the different instruments and to try them all out. 
And it built some excitement in the room to think that you could be playing one of these instruments with an entire orchestra. I think that for students that weren't too social and kept to themselves more often, that if they played an instrument, it gave them a sense of community and it gave them a sense of, of comfort when they went to school because they could look forward to being part of this, this group that you didn't have to talk. You didn't have to share anything. All you had to do was play an instrument. And that was the, the form of talking. And you could show everyone what you were capable of and the achievements that you've made, either learning a hard song or, or learning to play in unison with everyone. Being part of a band, being part of an orchestra, there were much more to it than just playing your instrument. It's being able to connect with others, being able to share this, this one thing that you all have a passion for. And historically, music has always played a significant role in society. Going back to the dawn of time, music has been used to inspire, bring security, and bring hope to the hopeless, and to bring people together when it was needed the most. Through sea shanties and spirituals, it showed how we use music as a reason not to give up and to keep going because we knew things could get better. And even now, songs go viral. Songs explode on these social media platforms. And it's all due to us. We are the reason that songs blow up. And it brings us together, whether it be a, a funny song or a great song that everyone can relate to. A summer song, a, a winter song, those songs that we all can vibe out to, that we can all appreciate. One aspect of music that I haven't really touched on quite yet is music therapy. Music therapy has been utilized for people that have been diagnosed with dementia and Parkinson's. Music therapy can be used for all ages. Thinking about the student, that was a selective mute. In all these cases, music was used as a release. Music allows us to feel again. All throughout Dr. Sachs' book, Musicphilia, he covers many different topics of how music affects us, and he delves into music therapy and all the benefits that we can get from it. He recognized that music therapy was tremendously effective when it came to patients with dementia because musical perceptions, music sensibility, musical emotion, and musical memory can survive long after other forms of memory have disappeared. With that being said, there is tons of potential for patients who suffer from all sorts of neurological conditions. And more than anything else, it can bring back the feeling of life to take us back to a certain memory is a great example that we may not remember it all the time, but as soon as we hear that certain song, we feel it again. We get a rush of emotions, and that's what music can do for us. Despite all of the research that has been done, and the extensive research at that, there is still so much we need to learn about the impacts of music on the brain. But now, there's a field dedicated to doing research, which is neuromusicology which is a field that I never even realized existed until I started this amazing project. 
I am sure that you have always realized that music can make you want to jump up and dance or motivate you to run faster or work out harder. But I hope after listening to my podcast, you have a fuller sense of the far-reaching impacts and benefits that music has on the human brain. Because I know that music is so important and crucial to everyone. And everyone should listen to music, whether it be classical, hip-hop, jazz, contemporary music, or in some cases country, or hard rock, or death metal. Whatever it may be for everyone. Go ahead and listen to your favorite song. It's going to help.